Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, September 6th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 75, first paragraph starting with when we decide. Today's readers are Sally, Kim, Sharon, Katie G, and Sylvia. The reference number for Thursday, September 5th, is 5094. Again, that's 5094. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting to our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marge to read the 12 steps, please. Thank you, Christy. This is Marge from Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Marge. I will now ask Diane to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane from New Hampshire. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. <coughs> Excuse me. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting Declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA has, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create 
service boards are committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 75, very first paragraph, starting with when we decide. And I will ask Sally to begin reading, please. Thank you, Christy. Good morning. It's Sally, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory, and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. And so this paragraph, of course, is preparing us to get started um, with that person that we finally have chosen to trust um, with our story and uh, with our with our house cleaning. Um, so when it comes to the questions, we explain to our partner what we are about to do. What are we about to do? Uh, we are about to have a house cleaning, and that's what it tells us on page 98. It's called a clean house. And why we have to do it. Why do we have to do this? Um, we have to do this for a couple of reasons. We, we know that there's many reasons we have to do this. But for me, the easiest way to put it is that I want to be reorganized as Ebby Thatcher was reorganized on the top of page 12. I want to be to experience that emotional rearrangement that's spoken of on page 27. It tells us the in the middle of page 27, vital spiritual experience to me, these occurrences are phenomenon. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. So we're going to have a rearrangement in the way we think as a result of these steps, as a result of writing down our inventory, as a result of cleaning house, and as a result of discarding old ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were, which as it said on page 27, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begins to dominate them in the form of an emotional rearrangement. And this is really the how-to of the emotional rearrangement or the reorganization that took place in Ebby's life and which will happen in our life and which we do see happen as a result of these steps. So he goes on to say he should realize that we are... Sally, are you there? Oh, Sally, you kind of cut out for just a just a few words there. Okay, so it goes on to say he should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Again, strong words uh, we see used here, and it is a life and death errand. It's not too strong for me because I had been given the gift of desperation when I finally 
came to realize that the solution was to be found in this book. Um, it was, I had really finally reached my bottom. And so to see the words, a life and death errand, were just really just about perfectly put, that that's what this is, is that we, in order to put on the life jacket so that we can live um, a different way of life than we ever had before, so that we can no longer be um, guided by the sick thinking that we were being guided by or the mental obsession of this food and, and the physical allergy of our body, which were the guiding forces in my life. They were what propelled so many of my decisions and my actions and my words. And here we are on this life and death errand to change. Most people approached in this way when, when we go to that person and we ask them, will you please be the person that I, that I give my fifth step inventory to, they will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. And, and so we should be honored when someone asks us to hear their heart, to hear their, all these things that were going on in their minds. And I know for me that um, I did place great trust in the person that I spoke to and, and had great confidence in their ability to, to honor my trust and um, to provide an, a level of anonymity to me. And, um, and I found that to be true in, uh, in the person that I chose. And I believe that there are a lot of people that want to be that type of friend um, in this program. With that, I sh- with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Katie from Boston. Katie, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. from Boston, Massachusetts. Grateful to be here, Aspen and Sober, on a Friday morning and so excited to um, come in on, on step five. So, um, you know, if you ask me what time it is, I'll tell you how to make a clock. And I say that because um, I'm somebody who, if God had given me enough time, I would have thought about this a lot. Who's going to hear my story? Who's that perfect person? What do they look like? What's their life like? You know, and where's the main problem? It's in my mind, right? So when I was done with my fourth step, I called my sponsor and boom, she didn't have enough time. So I shared earlier this week that I found another recovered woman and uh, I'd heard her speak once. And I just knew, like, I felt like my vessel was full. I was, you know, brimming over with stuff that I just had to share. And I, I, I was busting out, you know, I, I was unemployed, I had just been fired from my job, and all I knew that was the way I was living my life was not acceptable any longer. And, um, and for me, I knew that this was a life and death errand if I didn't share with someone, one person, you know, people have been talking a lot this week about these multiple, you know, lives that we have, these multiple personalities where I'm this way with you and that way with you. Like the only way to get the promises of steps five to be alone and a perfect peace and ease to look the world in the eye is to settle into Katie, right? So the only way to settle into Katie is to tell one person, not like a confession of all my sins, but really like a total like story of how all of the mistakes, all of the misunderstandings that I based my life on and then hated the world. You know, and so it was when I, when I engaged in this life and death errand, it was phenomenal. Like, I got to tell someone the embarrassing stuff, and I got the most rewarding thing, which was that, like, all of a sudden it was okay to be me. You know, like, when I went through this and, and, and my sponsor said to me at the end, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, it was like I joined the human race. Right, because like I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I'm so important, I'm so unique, these are all the horrible things that I've done with my sex conduct, and the lie that if you knew what I really did, you could never love me, and God could never love me. And what did this woman say? Yep, me too, yep, okay. You know, and then the other wonderful thing about this process was that I laughed. You know, I laugh like I would come up against another person I'm jealous of. Why? Because they have big boobs. They're blonde. They're, they're married. They're, they're thinner than me. They're fatter than me. I'm jealous of them. They have money. Major, my major lie was if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. 
but all of a sudden I got permission to be okay. You know, like I, I engaged on this life and death mission. I, I shared with her several times a week until I was until I was done, until I was exhausted. It was an exhausting process, but it was the most freeing. You know, because I was no longer in bondage. I was no longer bound by myself because somebody knew all of me. And God was there in the room each time and, and, and accepted me and loved me. And I could look the world in the eye. You know, I wasn't hiding anymore. It was okay to be me. It was okay to be in this world. And most importantly, I knew that I, like as a previous speaker said, I could move forward. I could put all this mishigash away and move forward with a clean slate and move forward with a primary purpose of helping others. So if you're new to this line and this is overwhelming to you, you know, just get a sponsor and do what she says. Um, but even today, you know, there's a lot of freedom in being honest and sharing truly about who I am and the craziness in my head um, and getting that magic me too factor. It brings me closer to others. It brings me closer to God. And uh, I'm grateful to be here with that iPad. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? You need to press star one to unmute your phone. This is Sharon in Colorado. Sharon, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Um, I just uh, wanted to share what this paragraph means to me because I'm in the process of doing my fourth and fifth step, and I'm doing it long distance. So it's it's uh, doing it um, kind of in uh, you know increments. But that has been very meaningful to me too. So uh, when it says that we decide to who we when we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have this written inventory, and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. And I like this sentence where it says, "Most people approaching this way will be glad to help, and they will be honored by our confidence." especially when they know this is a life and death errand for us, uh, to be free from the bondage of the obsession of the mind and um, that physical allergy of the body. And I, too, had a living problem. Um, I just see now that all of my distorted ideas and thinking were rooted in pride and my own self-reliance, even though I always felt so insecure, I believe I had to make life work on my terms. And as a result, um, you know, everything became so unmanageable and fueled this addiction. So I am just so grateful to be here, to be a part of this line, uh, to be a part of this uh, vision for you. I love that. Um, I love that title, a vision for you, because it's. Uh, I have this place where I take a walk, and and I come up on the crest of this hill, and there's just this beautiful panoramic view of the mountains, the foothills and the mountains behind it, and then down below in the valley, you know, I see the whole city of Golden and, and uh, clear up to Boulder. I mean, you'd have to be in Colorado know what I'm saying, but it's like I always lived down there, bogged down in the circumstances and the burdens of my life and the burdens of the lives of others, and I never saw that beautiful panoramic view that God has for us. If we will do these things and rely completely on him, just like it says in, you know, um, the chapter half, measures avail us nothing. We have to completely give ourselves to God and rely on him on a moment-to-moment basis. So thank you so much, and I pass, and I welcome all the new people and the old-timers like me on the line. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. May I share? You sure can. Go ahead. Thanks, Christy. Um, I'm a a recovered compulsive overeater. My name is Kathy. And... um, as I'm listening to everyone, uh, I'm 
being reminded of uh, the love I felt from my sponsor as I was reading my fifth step to her, uh, my fourth step to her. And um, I was just amazed that um, she made time for me uh, over the course, I think it took me uh, about a month uh, meeting once or twice a week uh, for a couple of hours um, to actually go through my whole fourth step. And I was just completely amazed that she was taking the time to sit with me and to listen to me and to encourage me and to share her similar experiences with me. And I I really feel that this uh, was a significant turnaround moment for me uh, to um, realize that I was so valued by her and worthy of her time. Um, and it, it really was the beginning of... Um, recognizing the generosity and the love that's possible um, and that is so healing. And it's the reason why I so value the opportunity today to listen to others' uh, fifth steps. Uh, It's an opportunity for me to give back um, and uh, to continue my own healing in the process. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Elaine in Massachusetts. Elaine, go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, this is Elaine, recovering compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And I had the privilege of completing my fifth step with uh, my sponsor two days ago. And um, I had been actually working, I had worked with three previous sponsors over the course of six years that, you know, we had some changes, one dropped out of program, um, another one, it just didn't feel like I was getting the connection that I needed, the support I needed, and then the last one, it was just taking years to get done, and I and I found a vision for you, and I'm so incredibly grateful, and started working with a, a sponsor that um, I found through these phone meetings and um, that God directed me to. And it was amazing to me because I had actually done uh, my fourth and fifth step in another um, uh, 12-step program and had given everything away, but I didn't see the psychic change that uh, was, you know, beginning to bring about recovery. And even in working with my current sponsor a short time as I began to, you know, um, look at my four step and, and get some feedback on the process even as I was doing it, the feedback I was getting was giving me such amazing insight to, um, to how this program works and what the big book is saying about being selfish, about being dishonest, about being self-seeking, about being afraid. And um, I, you know, after years and years and years of writing four steps resentment turnarounds, I I finally saw really my part in a whole new dynamic way. And so I completely acknowledge the benefit of going to a spiritual leader or or um, you know religious leader or even a trusted friend. I, I a big proponent of confession. I had turned my fifth step over, but. The experience I have working with a recovered uh, big book sponsor who had experience not just reading the big book but but practicing it and teaching others how to practice it and how to see their side and um, how to understand their fears and turn their fears over to God and what to do about it. And I was amazed at what I found in um, the the sex part, but there were things in there that I just didn't even realize were... Uh, shaping my ideal or shaping how I felt about myself. Uh, and it was truly, truly a revelation. And so I know that God will direct all of us to the right person to turn our fifth step over to. However, I just want to um, say that 
if you're working with a, a sponsor and you're checking out the work that you're doing as you do your list, you do your resentments, you do your turnarounds, your fears, you're just sort of checking out, am I doing this right? And you're getting feedback that's really giving you insight. I encourage you to, uh, to you know, consider that person as a... Uh, as somebody to turn the fifth step over to because I found the, the feedback completely invaluable, life-changing, and um, I am so incredibly grateful to God, to this program, to my sponsor, and for these meetings. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Who else would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Why don't we go ahead and move on then? Kim, would you please read the next paragraph? Hi, Christy. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone and at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are at the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Oh, and good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And, you know, we often are so focused on those nine step promises, but here are the fifth step promises. This is power. This is power. These are probably the most powerful promises I experienced. You know, I, I realized I was going to get to read this as Christy was reading the um, format. And in the format, it says, you know, we share what the directions in the big book mean to us. Well, let me tell you what the directions in the big book mean to me. It means freedom. It means freedom. And this was the beginning of the freedom that I felt. Why is that? Because now I'm taking action. Now I'm taking action. My favorite and the most powerful one for me is we can now look the world in the eye. I didn't even realize. I never looked anywhere in the eye. And why was that? It's because of what, on page 73, I've led that double life. I wanted to enjoy a certain reputation, but I knew in my heart I didn't deserve it. So I could never look at anybody. I was so busy playing the part I thought you wanted me to play that I was confused over who I should be in front of you and who I should be in front of you and who I should be in front of you. So I always had my eyes down. I was always embarrassed or ashamed. And if you really knew me, you were going to hate me. And when I did this fifth step, when I told someone all of my story, and I agree with Katie, you need to tell one person all of your story. And then suddenly they, they accepted me. They, they were objective. They were neutral. I could look the world in the eye. What power that is. And the only way I can think of explaining it is when you go to the dentist and you go to get your x-rays and you have that heavy metallic bit put on you because of the x-rays. And after a few minutes, you forget it's there. And then when they take it off, off of you, it's like, oh, gosh, I forgot how heavy that bib was. That's how step five felt to me. I had no idea how heavy these resentments, these fears, these sexual conducts were weighing on my soul. And when I did step five, it was freedom. So we began to to have a spiritual experience. Why is that? This chapter is in action. I don't get a spiritual experience by reading the big book. I don't get a spiritual experience by listening to a vision for you. I begin to get a spiritual experience because I take these lessons in this book and I apply them. I do them. I take action. And I just think these fifth step promises are so powerful. And if you do your fifth step and you are not feeling these, you're not experiencing these, then maybe you need to look a little deeper because the big book promises they will happen when we tell someone all of our story. And that is my experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
You need to press star one to unmute your phone. This is Judy, and I'd like to share. Go ahead, Judy. Uh, I'm Judy. I'm a uh, grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And um, I guess this this promise right here kept me, when I would hear it read before, while I was still doing my, my uh, fourth step, I would hear it read, and I would think, oh, my God, that's what I want. And finally, when I was able to do my fifth step, this this was the thing that just uh, put me in awe, sacred awe. I um, Before I did this, I would walk down the street with my head hanging low. I could not look anyone in the eye because I felt like a piece of crap, you know. Uh, I was ashamed because I was I couldn't control my food. I could uh, everything was out of order in my life. Uh, I couldn't have a relationship with my higher power. It, I I just um, I didn't feel equal to. I felt less than. And all of a sudden, when I did this work, I found that I could look you in the eye when I speak at a meeting. I, if we happen to be sitting in a circle around a table or wherever I can see, if it's up in the front of the room, I can look today. Every person sitting there, I can look you in the eye. And that's so much, such a peaceful feeling. And, uh, and, there, and it doesn't mean I'm any better than, and it doesn't mean I'm any worse than. And, and that has been just such a powerful thing for me. And, to be able to smile when I walk, you see you, or walk down the street and look you in the eye, no matter who you are, no matter you know if you're a homeless person, a person of wealth, or whatever, um, I, I've it's just been the best thing that could have ever happened. The, the all of the steps are good, but this one just changed my life, uh, and I you know, brought that spiritual relationship with my higher power. And uh, and I love where it says we feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Judy. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'll jump in here. Um, you know, this this is, you know, as... as uh, you know, as we were reading this paragraph, I mean, what a powerful paragraph. You know, I uh, I came to OA in 1994, and it wasn't until January 1st of 2002 that I did the fifth step the way it is outlined in the big book. And, you know, delaying that action, of course, delayed my recovery, it delayed my recovery. I mean, this is work that is necessary. This work is necessary in order to have that spiritual experience. And, and what is that? You know, what is that? That is, you know, I, I, I need to give myself every opportunity to change, to change the way I am. And the only way to do that is to know the way I am. You know, what is it that I'm dealing with? In order to solve a problem, you need to find out what the problem is. I mean, this is just basic problem solving 101, right? Let's figure out what we're dealing with, and then we can figure out how to deal with it. Let's get to the root cause analysis here. Let's get to the root cause, and then we can figure out what the problem, what the solution to the problem is. And so for me, you know, I, you know, I had come in, you know, having gained back the hundred, hundred of the pounds I'd lost while I was sitting in the, you know, circles of OA meetings talking about how I was having trouble with food. I mean, none of that was helping me solve my problem. You know, none of that helped me. And so, you know, when I sat down with my sponsor and, you know, the timing, I mean, what a great day, how symbolic, January 1st, New Year's Day, um, of 2002, it just happened to be what worked out in terms of scheduling for both my sponsor and I. And I, you know, as I sat there, I said to her, help, help me see, you know, tell me what you see. Tell me what you're hearing. And I meant that. I meant that down to my soul. Help me, help me. 
help me. I, I couldn't necessarily, um, I didn't understand my behavior. I didn't even recognize my behavior. But I'm telling you, I wanted to know what it was. With, I mean, with every fiber of my being, I said, tell me what you hear. Because I don't want to live like this anymore. I just, I can't do this anymore. And I was honestly open. My heart was open and I was willing to hear whatever she said. Give me the harsh reality, Christy, you know. And it's like asking people time and time again, do I look fat? Well, yeah, Christy, actually you do look fat at 300 pounds. You know, I wanted someone to really tell me, you know, what do you hear sponsor in my writing? And my sponsor told me. And I listened, you know. I didn't have to listen with shame or any of those feelings that kept me from revealing who I was in the first place. I really, really wanted to know. I really wanted to change. And I wasn't sure what I even wanted to change. What I knew is that I didn't want to eat compulsively anymore. I didn't want to live in, you know, in the prison of addiction anymore. And I was willing to do anything to get out. I was willing to do anything to get out, even if it meant, even if it meant, you know, shedding light on the dark recesses of my body, mind, and spirit. You know, I just really needed to know what that was. And that's been the biggest gift for me in recovery. The biggest gift is knowing who I am, knowing how I can behave, knowing what it is that will lead me back to eating compulsively again. As long as I know that and apply the steps in my daily living, in my daily living, to keep those character defects, you know, hope, hopefully, God willing, far in the, in the distance, you know, my distant past, then, then I've got a fighting chance. And I have not found it necessary. I have not found it necessary to pick up that first compulsive bite for the past 11 years and 362 days, one day at a time. One day at a time. I have not found it necessary. I've been maintaining you know, my doctor prescribed weight for 10 and a half years. For 10 and a half years. Nothing short of a miracle. Absolutely a miracle. And, you know, that can happen for someone like me and the people that share on this line that it's happened for them. Uh, then it can happen for you who might be listening and questioning whether or not this program could really work for you. It, it works. It really works. And with that, I'll pass. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Sally. May I share? You sure can. Go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Um, I'd just like to share on one line. It's Sally recovered in South Jersey. This one line, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. What did I have? Because it's telling us we may have had. In the past, what I had were spiritual beliefs, and I thought I was so spiritual, and I was so judgmental toward everyone else, uh, thinking that they didn't have what I had. But what did I really have? I had spiritual beliefs. But now we begin to have a spiritual experience. And when I see that, a spiritual experience, I it, what it says to me is, what I have now is a spiritual relationship. On page 28, on the middle of the page, it tells us, all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try and on the opposite page, on page 29, again it uses the word relationship. It says, each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. And what they're talking about here is about the 42 people in the back of the book who tell their story. They tell their story about how they established their relationship with their higher power. They don't tell how they put the food down. They don't tell how they lost all their weight, not that we don't mention these things. They don't tell about um, a diet. They talk about what happened, what caused them to establish their relationship with a higher power. 
And it's amazing to me that this is actually how they did it. They did it with these steps, and this is how the whole program works. It's, it's based on establishing a relationship with my higher power. And so here we are in the middle of step five, one of the steps, and it's telling me we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience, a spiritual relationship. And the chapter, the, I'm sorry, the paragraph ends with, we feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. And we are. And we are. As we clear away the wreckage of our past, as we clean out the, the Tupperware cabinet of our brain, we are left to have a, a breeze that flows through our mind that allows us to think more clearly and finally develop that relationship with a higher power because it's the only thing that is the solution here. The solution is in the developing that relationship with our higher power. That is what enables us to put the food down and walk. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Helena, I share. Um, let's see. I heard some someone before Helena. Who was it? Who else wanted to share? It was Lois. Lois. All right. Thank Lois, you. go ahead. Okay, we'll do it in this order. Hang on one second. So Lois, Helena, and Katie, go ahead, Lois. Thank you. Can you tell me what page Yep, seventy-five second full paragraph. Thank you. Go ahead, Lois. Uh, good morning. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. Um, we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand, with the spirit of the universe. Well, you know, what a magnificent paragraph this is. And it's, it, you know, it stirs such, you know, deep, wonderful emotions with me. Well, first of all, you know, as, as we've been reading this morning and I've been thinking about my experience, my experience, um, it, my experience has been, you know, growing up in an, I, I was born into an alcoholic family. And um, there were no relationships. You know, uh, I often feel like, you know, I was one of life's orphans, you know. And I had to perceive and, and wonder and, and uh, see how other people lived and try to copy the things that felt the best. And, and so, you know, I began, I didn't have a relationship with myself, first of all. So, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I came through life pretty well. Um, I wanted a relationship with God, but, you know, alcoholism and other disease got in my way. But, but when, I, when I began to understand, you know, and read the big book, Step Study, the big book, Step Study way of doing this and, and began to practice and want, you know, recovery with a recovered sponsor, um, I began to sense that you know, I was being led towards something very special, something very special that happened, you know, to other people, but it never had happened to me. You know, it was, to me, it was kind of like belonging to a family. And a family for me was, you know, I, I, an ideal family was, you know, where I would be, you know, cared about and I would be shown, you know, where my behavior didn't work for me. And maybe, you know, if I wanted, you know, they could help me to find a new way to do things. So, you know, in, in, a, in a sense, this is what happened for me, you know, um, in, in the fourth and the fifth. I, I, my fourth and fifth step, the, um, the smooth transition got a little interrupted with the sponsor that, you know, it's a long story, but, but I have continued working the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and all the way up 10, 11, and 12, and I have continued working my program with a couple of different sponsors, and for me, it was the most loving, um, caring relationship I've had, which led me to include, you know, God in my life. God has, God has led me that way through this program, through 
a, a few sponsors. And for me, it was, like I said, it was a, it was a loving family with my sisters. And they weren't any brothers holding my hand and teaching me a way that works for me. But just giving me, you know, the gift of love and, and understanding and trust and brought me along so that I am walking this broad highway with others, holding hands and, and reaching out to give my hand to another. So, you know, this is a very beautiful paragraph, and um, I'm going to pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. You bet. Thank you, Lois. Helena, go ahead. This is Helena. Um, I do like that it tells us many things in this paragraph that are so beautiful, what wonderful promises. On the other hand, um, for me, I found such exhilaration in having accomplished this difficult work, this searching mall inventory, which I am told that although I have worked so hard at the end of uh, the last chapter on page 71, it says that I have made a good beginning. I have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about myself. And the big chunk of truth about myself was that I had been depending on myself, that I was full of fears because I did not depend on God, and that I was full of selfishness and self-centeredness and was myself the root of all my own troubles. So here I am. I have a moment of exhilaration. I have told everyone everything I have trusted. And here I am beginning to feel the nearness of my Creator. As uh, someone shared a little while ago, I thought I had such closeness to uh, my, the God I believed in and had such great spiritual beliefs. I am beginning to have a spiritual experience. Um, I'm beginning to feel the nearness of my Creator through this work. And I know that the big book has said that people have different kinds of spiritual experiences. Some have very large, immediate rearrangements of thought, and some of us have a progressive, as we go along, we are learning. And I know that for me, it was much more progressive, and I am learning. And even when I get to step 10, I'm still going to only have started. And yet, so that's happening on the one hand. On the other hand, these promises are coming true in an enormous way. So I'm still a flawed human being. I still have difficulties interacting with other people, but I quickly d turn to my higher power and walk hand in hand with him. So I'm not promised perfection. I am promised an amazing walk with my higher power, an amazing way to deal with life. And I have this moment of joy having completed this part of my journey. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Katie, go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie in Virginia, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. Um, you know, prior to taking this step, I really, um, I just always had this double life going on. And, you know, this first part says we pocket our we pocket our pride, and that's what stands in the way of me being honest most of the time is, you know, having to confess I blew it again. You know, I'm, I wasn't at my best again. So even once we have taken this fifth step, um, we, yes, we are delighted and, you know, we walk in the sunlight of the spirit for, you know, a good 10 minutes or so, and then... It's back to reality, back to life on life's terms. And, you know, I don't want to give anybody the uh, illusion or delusion that, um, you know, I have no problems today. I took this fourth and fifth step, you know, decades ago. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I am suddenly arrived and perfect. But it does mean that these promises are coming true in my life on a daily basis as I continue to pocket my pride and to admit my faults with my fellows. You know, I don't have to um, to uh, to go back into that vicious cycle of hiding and sneaking and uh, trying to uh, make people think I'm one person when I'm really another and, and all those patterns that I had. That part is over. 
And it's only over because I feel the nearness of my creator. There's no longer this barrier between me and God that was there prior to recovery. I always, um, my knee-jerk reaction to life was to pick up the food. So then that became the barrier between me and God. I did not pocket my pride. I did not uh, pick up, you know, the phone before I picked up my substances, whatever they were, or I blurted junk out of my mouth. I didn't know how to cope. And this program teaches me how to live on a daily basis and never go back to that um, thick, shadowy world. And it starts with um, this illumination of what, who and what I am. And, you know, once I admit those things to people, we usually laugh about it. You know, it's like I am not so unique that um, people are shocked by my behavior. And, you know, it wasn't really until I took this step that I realized that the obsession had been lifted, that I no longer had the uh, knee-jerk reaction to pick up the food because I had learned a new way of living. And, you know, it, it looks so scary. When you're sitting in a room or you're listening on this line and they read these steps, it sounds very scary. But what we're saying here in these paragraphs is, it's, you know, it's, it's more like uh, getting over a fear of riding a roller coaster, and you ride that roller coaster, and you have a great time. Even though you're scared to death, it's just going down that huge hill and looping around, that exhilarating feeling is, is really fun. It's worth the terror of uh, click, click, click to the top. Um, so, you know, it may be scary to write all this stuff down and to think about sharing stuff that you've never, uh, let show the light of day, but it's worth it. And, you know, God is waiting there with you and is walking through it with you. And there are plenty of people out here who will help you through this process. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? You'll need to press star one to unmute your phone. Hi, this is Lisa from Colorado. Lisa, go ahead. Yeah, I remember when I got through with the fifth step. With um, I actually did it with a professional, and it took me weeks and weeks to get through it because I had a lot of um, stuff to clear out and. It was so cathartic to be done, and I felt like there was so much in my life that had changed because I had faced myself as I had never faced myself before, and I had seen what were the, you know, what were the good things, what were the things that I really need to get rid of, and the number one thing that I needed to look at was the um, resentment that I had at everybody else, and that if they would change, I would be happy. And then t to say it out loud was so cathartic. There is something very spiritual and humbling about saying what I have done out loud to another person. And then somehow got, and um, I had a picture of, of what I consider my higher power in a chair next to that person because that's the way my sponsor said it, to do it because I was going to admit it to God myself and another human being. And that was very cathartic, too, because it was like God was in the room there. And I was saying it out to God, and I was saying, you know, these are the things that I've done and that I don't really want to do this anymore. And um, in, a, in essence, I was saying I was sorry to God and that I wanted to be a new person. And then when I was done, like it says in the next par paragraph, it, I, was, I, I went down and I was quiet for an hour, and I felt so much at peace. And the next paragraph alludes to it, but um, there was some stuff that I had forgotten, some pages that I hadn't um, done, so I had to go back and read that. Because I wanted to be totally thorough. It's like um, today when we're putting um, some hardwood floors in our house, we had to totally pull up all the carpets. We had to pull up all the spongy thing underneath. We had to pull up all the uh, carpet tack around it. We had to get all that out. We had to get all the furniture had to put keels on the um, mold and mildew, 
That's what doing a fifth step is, is pulling up all that garbage and getting rid of it, seeing what's there and getting rid of it, getting it out of the house. And then we're putting a solid foundation of the hardwood over that. And that's what giving the fifth step is about. I'm putting the solid foundation down and saying, this is what I want to do, God, and show me what I need to do to have a solid foundation. And it's all about God. It's not about me. It's not about my pride and ego. It's all about him and that solid foundation so I can move on with the rest of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? We've got time for one more share. I could share. This is Hi, this is Sheila. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, let's see, I've got time for one more person. And who was that first person? I did not catch your name. My Sheila? name is Steve. She- Sheila? Yeah. Sheila, go ahead. Sheila, go ahead. We'll have you be the last share. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to check in. My name is Sheila H. from New York, Oklahoma, either. And what a wonderful paragraph. I am actually going through this now. And, uh, when the fears come up, I go back and I read the spiritual experience to remind myself what it feels like on a daily basis to have uh, the nearness of my fears. Of, you know, looking at myself the way I'm looking at myself and writing things down. And so uh, it's a, a weird experience. In addition to I've done it before, but this is definitely a different way to bring me to silence, which is not like shield kind of brings me to a, a quiet place uh, that uh, I'm familiar for me to be quiet like this, but the nearness of my creator is so real. It just feels so good. It brings tears to my eyes, and when the fear comes up and I think I can't do this, I sit still, and I call on my higher power and say, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, Sharon, would you please read a vision for you? Good morning. This is Sharon. Thank you, Christy. I'm Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater. So grateful to be on the line with you this morning. One book, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Sharon. I will now ask everyone to press star one to unmute so we can say the serenity prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage, courage to the things I can, and wisdom to know the I will, not mine, be done. And thank you, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Marge, uh, for reading the steps, and Diane for reading the traditions. And thank you to our readers, Sally, Kim, and Sharon. And thank you also, Katie G. and Sylvia, for being available to read for us. I will now turn the time over to Melanie. Melanie, are you online?
Melanie, your uh, the connection is really bad. And also, I did not hear the recording stop. Is the recording has the recording stopped? It has not stopped. Okay, sounds good. So everyone could just hang on for a moment. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I may just record the next hour. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what the deal is. It's um, can other people hear Melanie? Okay, or are you getting feedback? No. Okay. No. Yeah, Melanie. It's yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, Mel, can you hang up and call back in? Uh -huh. I can. Okay, let's try that and see if that works. Oh, Sue, come here. And if other folks who are on the line, if you could press star one to unmute your or I'm not unmute, I'm sorry, I'm so used to saying that. Press star one to mute your phone. That might make a difference with um, some of the feedback. I know sometimes that will happen. It'd be great. Thank you so much. And we'll get Melanie back on the line and we can begin our after party, as I call it. Um, this is the time that we welcome the newcomers and we make announcements about our upcoming meetings and do all sorts of good things here. So we'll give us just a moment here, get Melanie back on the line to lead that. Christy, I'm back. Does this sound better or no? Much better, much better. So I had folks mute their lines, um, so we're not getting feedback from you any longer, which is great. Thank you so much. Oh, um, brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. You betcha. Oh, so I'll let you go ahead and take over, Mel. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone. My name is Melanie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here, multitasking, lots of hands flying around here, but I am here and excited.